0: teachings and doctrines of the Book of Mormon. This is class number four, where we continue topic number one, Jesus in the Book of Mormon. We address hope and grace for grace. It is my testimony that a better understanding of what Jesus expects of us in terms of how to gain salvation will take a load off of our shoulders and give us hope that we can indeed be saved. So back to topic number one, Jesus in the Book of Mormon. What does the Book of Mormon add to our understanding of Christ and his mission? So last week, it was Doctrine of the Atonement. Gwen? He is a one-by-one God. Think about how clearly that is set forth in the Book of Mormon, begging us to believe that he is a one-by-one God. Not only that, but he's a one-by-one until they all. It's great that he's a one-by-one, but then he runs out of time. But he's a one by one until they all. And then last week we talked about the doctrine of the atonement. Can you imagine not understanding that? What did he accomplish? Do you, have you, did you ponder that this week? Any thoughts, any insights that came as you pondered the depth of the atonement? Claimed his rights of the father upon mercy. Jesus has claimed his rights of mercy. The ability to snatch us. He understands the human condition perfectly. That's what Jesus, that's the the God we worship as taught to us in the Book of Mormon. So I wanna kind of pick up on that and add to a doctrine that I believe has gotten lost even in the church. It's clearly set forth in the Book of Mormon. And allow me to play the, I've been a teacher 30 years, and it breaks my heart to watch some of you suffer so much. Tonight I want to talk about a doctrine restored in the Book of Mormon that you're not going to find very well taught in the Book of Mormon, or sorry, in the Bible. And the doctrine is hope. Hope in Christ. We talk often about faith. And I think the church is in a faith crisis. I think a lot of people are having faith crises. But I personally believe the reason they're having a faith crisis is because they're having a hope crisis. Now, all my life, I thought that hope came after faith. How, what, what, how do we say them? What order do we give them in? Faith, hope, and charity. And it's almost as if we believe first you have faith and then you have hope and then you have charity. But then I found a book, a verse in the Book of Mormon to show you the complexity of faith that reverses that. You can't have faith until you have hope. Turn with me to Moroni chapter seven. I think you all know how wonderful Moroni seven is. That beautiful commentary. Look at verse one. This is a letter that Mormon wrote to Moroni, even though it's in the book of Moroni, the words are Mormon. These are Mormon writing to his son. About verse one, what is he writing about faith, hope and charity? And this is just such a beautiful contribution to the Book of Mormon faith. I want to share what my father said about faith, hope, and charity. But again, even then, the list is faith, hope, charity, right? Faith, then hope, then charity. But turn to verse 40 and tell me if verse 40 doesn't maybe cause you to question. Moroni 7, Moroni 7, 40. And again, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that you can attain unto faith, save ye shall have hope? What does that suggest? And I I believe in both. I'm not saying this competition. I believe faith comes after hope and faith comes before hope. But what might be the reason many people lack faith? They don't have hope. How can you obtain unto faith? Save ye shall have hope. So let me define my, let me do what I might, let me do my best to define hope. Faith says, I believe Jesus can do miracles. That's an act of faith. Jesus can do miracles. Hope says Jesus can do miracles in my life. You see the difference? Faith says, I believe God answers prayers. I believe that God answers prayers. That's an act of faith, a living God who hears prayers. Hope would say, I believe he hears my prayers. You see the difference? I believe Jesus saves. I believe Jesus saves. What's hope? I believe Jesus will save me. Now what's the real lack in the world and in the church? Faith or hope? Hope. And having taught Institute students for 30 years, I watched you suffer. I watch what happens when people lack hope. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is a God of miracles. I just don't think he'll do miracles in my life. Have you ever felt that way? Do you know someone who is crippled by a loss of hope? Now the Book of Mormon paints a difficult picture because now listen to what Moroni says a few chapters later. In Moroni chapter 10, kind of picking up on that theme, Moroni says, and this is just, it just hurts me. If you have no hope, you must needs be in despair. Can you think of people you love that are hurting because they don't believe the gospel applies to them? That they don't qualify. Somehow they seem to suggest that other people get blessings, but I don't get blessings. I don't qualify. They lack hope and they're hurting. And the reason they're hurting is they're very aware of their in, 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 their iniquities. They're w- very aware of their shortcomings. Why would Jesus save me? I know he can. I just don't know if he wants to. Tell me what they lack. Hope. I believe this church right now is in a hope crisis. But if there's one thing that I find in the Book of Mormon, it's hope. Let me give you a couple of examples of the difference between faith and hope. It's kind of subtle, but you'll find it. Let me show you an interesting one way back in 1 Nephi chapter 15. If you want to turn there, I'm in 15, but I'll show. We'll do it together. Fortunately, I've got, to got to turn the page quickly. So Laman and Lemuel have some questions. What meaneth, what meaneth, what meaneth? Can you answer my question, Nephi? 1 Nephi 15, verse 8. Have you inquired of the Lord? Have you asked God for yourself? Now, notice their answer. Now, allow me to pretend that the sentence ended right there. Okay? Imagine the period is after the word known. You tell me what Laman and Lemuel lack. If they had said, no, I haven't asked of the Lord, I haven't prayed, I haven't sought answers, because the Lord maketh no such thing known. Tell me what they lack. Faith. God does not, clear, God doesn't speak. God doesn't speak. But Laman and Lemuel didn't say that, did they? What did they say? I haven't asked of God. Because I don't think he will make that known to me. Who were they asking? Yeah. What's, what was their assumption then? He'll speak to you, Nephi. But he won't speak to me. Tell me what Laman and Lemuel lacked. Hope. Hope. Do you see it? And I see it all the time. No, I haven't asked. I haven't searched. I haven't gone to God because he won't speak to me. So, Brother Dunford, could you just get the answer and tell me? I have faith that he'll tell you. I just don't have hope that he'll tell me. Do you see this throughout the church? Can you think of real people that you love that feel this way? Let me show you another one. Turn to Alma chapter 33. This one just kills me. This one pains me because I see it so readily in the church today. Alma chapter 33, after Alma's great discussion in chapter 32 about planting the seed, then the question is how? Notice in verse one, after Alma had spoken these words, they sent forth unto him desiring to know whether they should believe in one God, that they might obtain this fruit of which he had spoken or how they should plant the seed. How do I plant the seed? And the answer was turn to Christ, turn to Jesus. It's always the answer. And notice the story he gave next. Verse 19, he was spoken of by Moses and behold a type was raised up in the wilderness that whosoever would look upon it might live, and many did look and live. Everyone probably knew someone that was healed. I know someone's healed. Shelby got healed. Lord always heals Shelby. (laughs) I'll never be what she is. Everyone knew someone healed. Now look at this next sentence, and think about the church today. Again, I'm going I'm to cover up the last word. Tell me what they lack. Tell me what would a member of the church lack who said this today. But few understand the meaning of the brass ser- serpent, and this because of the hardness of their hearts. And there are many in the church today who are so hardened that they will not look. Some people will not turn to Christ. Therefore, they're going to perish And the reason they won't look to Christ is because they don't believe he will heal. If that's where the sentence ends, what do they lack? I won't look to Christ because he doesn't heal. That's a lack of faith, but that's not what's going on. The reason they don't look, they won't look to Christ because they don't believe he will heal them, not me. you see how real this is? <coughs> faith is struggling today. People are losing their hope and therefore they're lacking faith. I think a lot of people trust that Jesus is a God of miracles. I don't know how you could have, I don't know how you could know what you know and not believe that God has done miracles. The problem is we look at our own lives and our own shortcomings and I don't measure up and we make what conclusion? Not me, not me, not me. Do you see the challenge? Let me show you a non-Book of Mormon one because now we can kind of see Jesus start to push back on this. Let's, te- let's go to the New Testament. Let me show you a non-Book of Mormon but a beautiful example of this. Turn to Luke chapter 5 to the man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Now that's a beautiful symbol for how sometimes we feel. Tell me what a man full of leprosy would expect others to do in the days of Christ. What would he ex- how would he expect to be treated? Luke chapter 5. Is that what I said? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna, we're going to jump to verse 12. How would a man full of leprosy expect to be treated? I walk in the room and. People run away right now, that's how sin makes you feel. I expect Jesus to run away when I walk in the room. I expect Jesus to look at me and say you. And to run away. That's the symbol. So here is a man full of leprosy who approached Jesus. And notice even in the question, notice his question. What did he know and what did he doubt? Tell me what he knew. I know you can. I just don't know if you will. Not me. How many of you have felt that? I know he can. I just don't know if he will. And some of you push it even further to say, I know he can. I just don't know. How do you sometimes finish the sentence? I don't know if he even wants to. Why would he? Why would he? That is a lack of hope. So he cries out and say, Lord, if thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. I know you can. I just don't know if you will. Now, in a beautiful tribute, tell me what Jesus says. First of all, what does he do? What does he do that no one ever did with a leper? What direction did he move? Toward him and touched him. I am not running away from you. I know exactly what you've done. I was there when you did it. And I'm not running away. It's not the God he is. I am not running away. He touched him and said two of the most beautiful words Jesus ever uttered. I will. Even you. Every one of you. I will. When you finally believe that he will, you have hope. When you finally allow yourself to believe that he will hear and bless and love and save you, you have hope. The Book of Mormon invites you to have hope. Every page is sending the message that you should have hope. Did he remember wicked Alma? Did he run away from Alma? Did he run away from Lamoni? Lamoni's dad? Alma the elder? Every page is crying out, I will. When are you going to believe that and trust that? So a couple beautiful verses that invite us to have hope. Turn with me to Alma chapter 13. Book of Mormon Alma 13 Let's start in 27. Now, I know you could could make the case that this is Alma, that this is Mormon quoting Alma speaking to someone he loved. Allow me to, to suggest to you that this is Jesus speaking to you. This is Jesus speaking to you. I wish from the innermost part of my heart and with great anxiety, even unto pain, that you would hearken unto my words and cast off your sins and not procrastinate the day of your repentance. But that ye would. Now don't lose the list, okay? That's the predecessor. I would, with all the energy of my heart, with all the energy I have, I would that you would. Now, see this, you got to see the parallel here. I would that you'll be humble, call on his holy name, watch and pray continually. Becoming humble, meek, submissive, patient, full of love, and of long suffering. Now that's a great verse, but I wish that verse, I wish for just one minute, I could take that verse out and allow you to hear just this. I would read it this way. I would quote Jesus as saying, I wish from the innermost part of my heart, yea, with great anxiety, even unto pain, that ye would have hope or have faith on the Lord, having a hope that ye shall receive eternal life. Emphasis on what word? But, 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 but what is hope? Hope is the emphasis on what word? You. you. I, let me paraphrase the Book of Mormon. I believe the Book of Mormon is saying, I wish with every ounce of my soul that you would believe that he's going to save You. You. And that that be your core belief, that he is going to save you. Have hope. Have hope. Um, let's do preach my gospel. I, kn- I know you all loved chapter six, right? Develop Christ like qualities. Everyone who served a mission loved chapter 6. Lizzie's going to fall in love with chapter 6. Develop Christ like qualities. Turn turn to preach my gospel. Find chapter 6 and notice it does faith, hope, and charity. So, preach my gospel. You can find it in lots of ways. Uh, handbooks and Callings, Mission Callings, Previous Edition. No, let's do let's let's do previous edition for now because I've got it marked in my previous edition. So previous previous edition, faith, and then hope. So preach my gospel, chapter 6, faith and then hope. I need someone to read this sentence. Oh, they, just, they nailed it here. Whoever wrote this was so inspired. Anyone want to read that paragraph? Charlie, read that paragraph. Hope is an abiding trust that the Lord will fulfill his promises to you. Emphasis on what word? Hope is a trust that he will fulfill his promises to you. Keep going. It is believing and expecting that something will occur. Oh, one more time. Read that sentence again. It is believing and expecting that something will occur. Should you expect that he will? Yes. Now, are you going to let him choose when and how? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm not going to tell him how to bless me. But should you expect him to bless you? Yes. That's hope. Keep going, Charlie. When you have hope, you work through trials and difficulties with the confidence and reassurance that all things will work together for your good. Hope helps you conquer discouragement. The scriptures often describe hope in Jesus Christ as a reassurance that you will inherit eternal life in the celestial faith. Emphasis on what word? You. You. Don't believe that Jesus will save others. Believe that Jesus will save you. Have hope. One last quotation. Turn to hymn number 187. May I invite you every day to quote this to yourself? Hymn number 87. Ellie, would you read? Nice big voice in the back. Verse 3. I want everyone to hear this. All the hopes that sweetly... Oh, sorry. Verse 3. 187. Verse 3. Oh, 187. Oh, my sorry. 187. 187. My apologies. All right, Ellie. Nice and loud. Okay. Oh, love of Jesus, love divine, what debt of gratitude is mine, that in his offering I have part and hold a place within his heart. I hold a place in his heart. Let yourself believe that. I hold a place in his heart. Okay, thoughts on hope? Lizzie? Did this be you that way? No, I don't know where that one is. Lizzie? ourselves hope in a sense because when we do that we put limit and balance on his atonement and turns it from infinite to finite beautifully stated we make it finite we make it finite he doesn't change his atonement is always the same beautifully stated have hope Ashley I think for me a lot of like a lot of principles of the gospel especially hope Something that's frustrating for me is that I, I understand. I feel like I understand the principle. And I could teach it to someone, and I could help someone if they're having a hard time. But then as soon as it comes to me, like I don't, I don't know how to apply it. I'll say, yep. great, this is how it works. But then, then I feel like it doesn't work. Yep. Which is the essence of hope, right? As soon as it gets to me, I start to think it breaks down. And that is the very definition of lacking hope the Book of Mormon is granting you permission to have hope, to expect him to bless you, and to trust that he will. Um, I also just would like to point out, I, I don't know, I know—I'm—I'm a, a very analytical brain, so I like to think of things in a system. So I always go back to it, the prophet, and whatever the prophet says, That's important right now because there's one prophet and he speaks to us, I mean, in general conference twice a year. So whatever he says, it's got to be important. So it just reminds me when President Nelson spoke and said to seek and expect miracles. Seek and expect miracles. Seek and expect miracles. Now, I'm not going to tell him how to bless. I think there's a very important thing. I'm not going to tell him how to bless me. He gets to choose how he blesses me. But I expect a blessing. I know it's coming. Lizzie? Um, it just reminded me of Russell Nelson. He said, hope in Christ isn't wishful thinking, but it's an expectation that realize. It's a choice. I choose to have hope. It's an ex- I choose to expect that. Beautiful. Okay, ready to do another? I, try to do, I want to do two today. I know that might be pressing it because each one of these we could take an hour on, but I want to do two today because I want to get to as many doctrines of the Book of Mormon as we possibly can. But allow me to do one more, and and that is I think there's a reason people lack hope, and that is they don't understand how to be saved. They don't understand the process. Do you remember coming out of high school and having no idea how to get a college degree? Do you remember having no idea how to get a college degree? Some of you maybe are still there. Now, any seniors, any juniors in college? I'm a senior. You get to a point where I know how to get a degree. I, I, I see the end. When the way is clear, your, your, your confidence that you can do it goes up. And I think that a lot of us look at exaltation and say i'll never get there i don't know how to be saved so one of the greatest blessings of the restoration i'm going to include the doctrine covenants tonight but clearly show you where it is in the book of mormon one of the greatest doctrines of the book of the restoration is let me show you how to be saved let me show you the simplicity of the process on how to be saved ready I want to start in Doctrine and Covenants section 93. We will get to the Book of Mormon, but we're going to include the whole restoration tonight. So turn with me to section 93. This is astounding in its declaration. Uh, To me, section 93 is evidence that Joseph Smith was a prophet because no one would have printed this. No one would have been gutsy enough to claim this doctrine. Now, how does God emphasize? How does the Lord emphasize? Wouldn't it be nice if he pre If he marked the scriptures before he handed them to us. Here are the most important verses. How does he emphasize repetition? Three times in three verses is the most repetitive he's ever he can be. So watch the repetition. Let's start in verse 12. Section 93 is the record of John the Baptist who watched Jesus grow up. And John testified anyone want to be my reader? John chapter, or section 13, section 93. Let's start in verse 12. Anyone want to be my reader? Savannah, you be my reader. And I, John, saw that he received not of the fullness at the first, but received grace for grace. That's blasphemous for some people. What was the claim here? Jesus went through the veil and forgot that he was Jehovah. Jesus started where you start, even though he was a God in pre-mortal life, even though he was Jehovah of the Old Testament, even though he's the one that parted the Red Sea. He woke up on his birthday not remembering an ounce of that. He received not the fullness at the first. And Jesus went through this process called, what's it called? Grace for grace. What does that sound like? Describe what that sounds like. It sounds like it's an exchange, right? It's a little bit, a little bit. It sounds like he's giving and he's receiving. Grace for grace. Now watch the repetition. Savannah 13. And he received not a performance at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received. Twice now. Jesus went through the veil, forgot being Jehovah, started from the beginning, and notice the difference. He progressed grace for grace, and he advanced grace to grace. We're going to see if we can figure out what those mean. Until he received the fullness. All right, 14. One more time, Savannah. he was called the Son of God, because he received the fullness So he needed help, right? He needed someone's help to coach him along. Now, why in the world are we being told this? Why would Jesus go, why would he do this? Why would he go through the veil and forget everything? All right, who wants to read? 19 and 20. Liam, would you mind? Yeah, I uh, I give unto you these sayings that you may understand and know how to worship. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is how you're going to do it. He showed us the way. He forgot everything, just like we did, so that he can show us the way. I'm going to show you how to worship. And? And know what you worship, that you may come unto the Father in my name, and in due time receive of his fullness. And in due time, you're going to receive the fullness. If you follow this process, you're going to receive the fullness. Keep going, Liam. Finish 20. You shall receive of his fullness and be glorified in me as i am in the father therefore i say unto you you shall receive grace grace so what's the process called that we obtain exaltation grace for grace what's the process called that jesus obtained exaltation so the process of exaltation is called grace for grace Let's see if we can figure out how it goes. Now, I'm gonna put two governing principles on the board. Ready? These are eternal truths and you all know they're true. Every one of you can testify in your soul that they're true. Principle number one is verse 28. Section 93, verse 28, what's truth number one? Truth number one, if you obey, you receive light. If you receive, if you obey, you receive light. That is truth. And God will always obey that. So if you obey, obedience leads to light. If you obey, you get light. Charlie? Then you lose light. Then you obey. We'll watch the process, watch the process. Now, going back a few sections, section 82, unto whom much is given. So what happens if I have more light? More light means? More obedience. And if I do? More I get more light. And when I get more light, It expects more obedience of me. And if I do, I get more light. And when I get more light, I'm expected to kind of sounds like what? Grace for grace. Grace for grace. I obey. He gives me light. That light allows me to see more clearly. It helps me obey. If I do obey, then I get more light. And now that light helps me see more clearly. Do you see the process? Let's graph it. Allow me to graph it. Okay? So this axis is light. And that is a fullness. God the Father has a fullness of light. Jesus eventually got there. This axis is obedience. So, this is how much God obeys. When you obey like God and have the knowledge that God has, you have exaltation. So, let's start from the beginning. What do the scriptures say about coming into the world and how much light we have? Does anyone come into the world with zero light? We know that, right? You can all quote a bunch of scriptures. We all let's say we start with light a. But where am I on the obedience when I walk into this world? Babies don't obey. I've had 10 of them. (laughs) Babies don't obey. They start at zero obedience, but light a. And that's the key. We always have more light than we obey. But what does that light do to that baby? It calls to him. It beckons him. It shows him. If that baby follows the light, what will it eventually hit? Obedience A. It got there. And as soon as it hits obedience A, tell me what happens. He gets light. B. Now, is he at obedience B? Where is he here when he got obedient, or light A, light B? He's still at A. Always more light than we obey. That's an eternal truth. Always more light than we obey. But that light calls to me. And if I obey, as soon as I hit obedience B, I get light C. What's this process called? Grace for grace. And how am I progressing from grace to grace? Grace for grace. Grace to grace. Let me illustrate. This is where this room is awesome. This is my life when I came into the world. Just a little bit of light. I was born with a little bit of light. I can see, I could probably walk around, but I'd stumble. I don't have a lot of light, but I have enough to see that the desks are a mess. I can tell that the desks are a mess, even the ones in the back. And so I tidy up my room, I clean up my life. I live up to the light that I have. Now tell me what's gonna happen when I obey the light that I have. the light increases. Now I see more. Now bear with the analogy because this is a pretty bare room. But now I see that the pictures are crooked. It bothers me. Look how crooked the pictures are. I gotta fix that. It's driving me crazy. Okay, ready for the most important question I could ask tonight? Why didn't I fix the pitchers when I fixed the desks? I could not see that they were crooked. I could not have fixed them because I couldn't see that they were crooked. But now I do. What are my choices? Fix them or ignore them. Now, let's be honest. Heavenly Father loves you. Heavenly Father loves you. And if I can't stand those pictures, but I'm not going to fix them. I am not going to fix them. I am not going to take the effort to fix them. But yeah, they they annoy me. What will Heavenly Father do? Okay. You don't have to look at them. I'll take the light away. Now, when he takes the light away, how do I get it back on? I clean what I can see. As soon as I clean what I can see, what will he do? He will bring back that light. Now, hopefully this time I say to myself, I'm really going to fix them. And so I go over there and I fix the lights. I fix the pictures. Tell me what he's going to do when I fix the pictures. More light. And now I notice things I didn't see before. They're clear to me. I can't fix what I don't see. Now here's the problem in the church today, other people can see it and they tell me how bad my pictures are. I'm constantly being told how bad my, my pictures are and yet I don't, I don't know what to do. But we live in that world, right? Your parents, your friends, people are always trying, to you need to, picture, you need to fix your pictures. And then all of a sudden the light goes on and we all say, Oh, I do need to fix my pictures. And I fix them. And then the light goes on. And then I see something else. And then the light goes on. If I continue to do this, you forgot how bright the room was at first, right? This is where we started. You took advantage of getting to this much light, didn't you? That's... How we progress. You get a little bit of light. You see things more clearly. And you fix what you see. If you don't want to fix it. He'll take the light away. Until. You clean up what you can see. Now it is my testimony. That no one ever gets back to pitch darkness. Everyone can see something. That needs to be fixed. And the moment you fix it. You get more light. Your choice. Now let's turn to the Book of Mormon. Here's life in one verse. 2 Nephi 28 verse 30. 2 Nephi 28 verse 30. Here is life in one verse. You want to go to the celestial kingdom? Here's how you do it. Here's how you make it to the celestial king. Ready? Who'll read? M in the back, do you mind? Nice and loud. Second Nephi thirty. Second Ephi twenty eight verse thirty. Hold on, I can it. Second Nephi twenty eight verse thirty. Okay, for behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men mine upon mine, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those that hearken unto my precepts, and learn lend an ear unto my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom, for unto him that receiveth I will give more. And then that shall say, we have enough, men shall be taken that which they have. That's it. That's life. And you get to go as far as you want to go. I will give unto the children of men, line upon pre- line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Blessed are those who hearken. What does it mean to hearken? You fix the pictures that you can see are broken, or crooked. If you hearken, you get... More. Unto him that receiveth will I give more. Now, if you keep going, how far can you go? Go to Alma chapter 12. It's either Alma chapter 9 verse 12 or Alma chapter 12 verse 9. Let's, I think it's 12. My dyslexia is killing me today. So 12. Let's see if it's 12. It's 12. Okay, let's move on to 10 and 11. How far up can I go? How far up can I? How far up? Little old me, human being with all my imperfections, how far up can I go? Who wants to read 10? Abby, 10. And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until you know them full. How far can I go up? All the way. Now, will I do that in this life? Not a chance. How do I know that? We'll do that in just minute. Give me one minute. We'll do that one. How do I know? We'll do that in just a minute. But how far low can I go? How down can I go? How about verse 11? Anyone else want to read? Verse 11. Ashley? Okay, we'll stop there. Now, I don't think that ever happens in this. I truly, and again, I, I, I would love to show you that in the scripture someday, but I don't think anyone gets to zero in this life. I think even the most hardened person still has enough light that they could fix what they see. But I do believe that eventually in time you can get to nothing. But not in this life. Everyone, I believe on this planet, everyone has enough light to fix what they see. And as soon as they do, they can turn that light on. So how far up can I go? And eventually, how far down can I go? It just depends on what I do with the light that I have. Now, should you cut yourself some slack? Let's go back to section 93. Now, you tell me if you read it the way I read it. Verse 12, does he have a fullness? 13, does he have a fullness? 14, does he have a fullness? When does he get the fullness? Look at verse 16. 16, he gets the fullness. What event in verse 15 might describe when Jesus got the fullness? His? His? Baptism. I believe, now I can't prove this and I can't turn to any verse. I believe the dove descending on him was John's sign that he was now Jehovah again. That he hit the fullness. That he's back. He's not Jesus anymore. He's Messiah now. That he has received the fullness. That's what I think the dove meant. That his full memory is back. And he is once again Jehovah. So how long did it take him to get there? 30 years. How fast is he moving? How long is the distance between adding, getting more light, seeing something broken, and fixing it? How fast is he going? Now, do you and I go that fast? Are we expected to go that fast? If it took Jesus going that fast 30 years to hit the fullness, how long will it take you and I? Not in this life. So let me give you the greatest promise I have ever read in every scripture. And this is where the music crescendos. And this is the point you need to memorize. 2 Nephi 31 verse 20. If I were marooned on a desert island and could take one chapter of Scripture with me, it would be 2 Nephi 31. Verse 20 has the greatest promise in the Scriptures. Now, normally, if a prophet gives a promise, it's good enough, right? Lehi said, if you obey, you'll prosper in the land, and I'm okay. I don't need anyone else to quote it because Lehi is good enough. Sometimes Jesus puts his name to a promise, one time in the scriptures that I can find the father puts his name on a promise. I cannot find anywhere else in the scriptures where the father himself comes down and says, make sure you know that that promise is in my name. But this time he does this. Sorry, let me get to the Book of Mormon. Second Nephi 31 verse 20. Here's the promise. Ready? Here's what you have to do to be saved. Wherefore, press forward. Press forward. Just press forward. Loving Jesus, having a perfect brightness of. You will never do this without hope. That's why we did that one first. You will never do this without hope. You can be saved. Press forward with hope and obey the first two commandments, which are love of God and love of men. That's simple, right? Press forward, have hope, and obey the first two commandments. Wherefore? If ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end. This is clearly death. This isn't end of eternity. This is death. Move forward. Just step forward. Just move. Love God. Love man. Have hope. And if you die on that path, If you are doing that when you die, thus saith the Father, you will have eternal life. If you are doing that when you die, thus saith the Father you will have eternal life. Can you think of a better promise in the scriptures than that? Move forward. Have hope. Obey the two commandments. And if you are growing grace for grace, If you are in that process, thus saith the Father, you will have eternal life. That is the doctrine of Jesus, as found in the Book of Mormon. Do You want to know why I love this book? No way they pry this book from my hands. I testify of that truth. I also testify of this reality. I know you. I know your lives of goodness. And I know that you sometimes come down a little and then up and then down and then up and then down and then up and then down and you get so discouraged when you come down And you're thinking, oh, I'm such a loser because I keep coming down. But what direction is that going? And as long as it keeps going that direction, what will Heavenly Father say when I die? You will have eternal life. Of that, with every ounce of my soul, I testify is true. Have hope, have confidence, expect blessings and understand that this process is doable. And as long as you're moving forward, grace for grace, you will make it. I was teaching seminary in Arizona when one of my students died on her 16th birthday and they asked me to speak at her funeral. Some of the clearest impressions I've ever received. I stood up at that funeral and I taught this doctrine. And I said to all the high school students in the audience, I know that Karen was on that path when she died. I therefore hear Heavenly Father saying to me that Karen will be in the celestial kingdom. And then I looked at all all of her friends in the eye and said, will you? Will you walk down that path and stay on it and be on it when you die? Even if once in a while you just come down a little bit and then you come back up, will you head that direction until it's over? And hear the voice of the Father say, ye shall have eternal life. I testify, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for teachings and doctrines of the Book of Mormon. This has been class number four, Hope in Christ and Grace for Grace. Would you ponder this week how you might increase your hope in Christ, that you might trust that he is going to save you? And would you look at your life and how much you have grown in light and take courage that you are in fact in that grace for grace process. And if that continues, someday the father is going to testify. Ye shall have.